Good morning, fellow Gooners. Welcome to a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and as usual, my co-host, Aiden. How's it, guys? Unfortunately, that 11-match winning run finally came to the end. Um, on the bright side, though, we're still unbeaten. Yeah, and uh, in those in that uh, games, we came up now against Crystal Palace last Sunday. Uh, was a tough fixture because, I mean, we already knew how they're going to set out against us. And then you take it also into consideration, we again started slow, which was yeah. at times frustrating. Because it's almost like we just allowed Palace to gain confidence and, you know, really come at us wave upon wave. Because, I mean, we were lucky not to be about two goals down in that first half. Yes, as well. But I uh, post, I remember quite early on, it was like, in the first 15 minutes of the game already. And then Townsend, I remember, also had a, a chance quite closely afterwards. So, like you said, we were very lucky. Not to could have been 2 all down in the first half already. Yeah. And, I mean, then, um, with regards to the game, uh, a reckless penalty given away by Mustafi yeah. in yes, the first sir. half. I mean, you know, for somebody that... Uh, I mean, I've... Uh, but people might think I'm trying to hop on him always, like with, you know, errors or rash decisions. But, I mean, to do a, a tackle like that, I mean, he knows, look, he's not sure if he's going to win. Because, I mean, it was very much 70-30 in the attacking team's favour, the way he was trying to win position of that ball. And, I mean, he almost like just went, he smashed like right through the guy's foot, that Koyati's foot, who was trying to, you know, drag the ball back. And, and I, mean, I think there was still a cover defender as well. So, as I said, a rash decision because I mean it could have been, you know, it could have been stopped by somebody else instead of making that sort of decision. Because I mean, he, that's what frustrates me about him. I mean, he he can be a good defender, but it's like when he goes in, when he just goes, I'm like, you know, hello, high water with his tackles, like just diving in, and it, it's always gonna cost us in 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 games. A, a lot of times, he gets saved by you know someone like Holding or Socrates. But like sometimes like that, that's when you actually see how he he gets exposed, and that does worry me a lot. Yeah, I mean it was a needless challenge to make. I mean you're going into the into halftime at nil nil, and you know Arsenal's been a team now that has um, come to life in the second half. And if we had to go nil nil in the second half, I mean by the looks of other things, we we could have been mm-hmm. two nil up. But it was a, it was really a needless. Penalty, and ultimately, that was one of the reasons why we drew the game. I mean, we, we gave away two penalties, and that's how they scored. So, yeah, I, I think Mustafi, I know we're gonna hop on that game soon, but I think maybe he needs to step down from or everyone needs to give him a break for it of, the, of playing against Liverpool, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Because, I mean, like when you watch him in training, he, you know, he, he oozes confidence. I mean, like you can see. The youngsters really feed off that, that vibe of his in training. But sometimes it's like when you put, you know, uh, practice into play, then it's not like that is when you have to now, you know, stand up and put your hand up and show, look, you can do the business. But, you know, back to the game. Um, we went in a goal down. Like, a, you know, a real dodgy record to have, as you brought up a few weeks back. You know, always either drawing or a goal down, something like it in games. Uh, Xhaka scoring a blinder with a yeah, uh, vicious free kick yeah. on, 
I think what was it, 51 minutes he, he got yeah, that. So you could see the whole, the whole morale started swinging again our way in this. I mean, it was like a, almost like a chess match. It was going to be almost like a kind of tact, uh, tactical battle also, battle of wits between the two coaches because all of a sudden, that goal of, of Xhaka, you know, rock Palace on the heels all of a sudden. They're not just doing that, that random bombing forward. And then, of course, taking the lead eventually with a scrappy goal. I mean, it's somewhat controversial because, yeah, yeah. like I said, looks like he, you know, directed the ball goalwards with his hand. But, I mean, on the other hand, the commentator we had, he said it could have also been he was appealing to the ref as he got shoved in the back for the when the, the corner came in. And, I mean, Obama Young did the honours, like, with a little toe poke over the line. It was, thankfully, that, that you know, the goal line technology watch yeah. on the ref's arm, and the goal was given to us 2-1 up. And then, like, you know, started swinging again both ways, you know, for a, a bit. And then, of course, Arsenal started to, you know, gaining confidence, goal position. But with that confidence also came naivety and cockiness. Yeah. Because... Then you could see as well, like then we were almost like allowing pressure on, uh, <coughs> excuse me, onto us at the wrong or actually the worst time because you could hear Salas Park were, you know, when that, that place I was rocking, it's actually, uh, it worries me even from years back when you hear them on that, that type of way, it was like you can actually feel that, that stadium rocking. That is when I knew, oh, we got the kind of a problem here because then we all of a sudden, the game started swinging other way. We started just like sitting back, allowing pressure on us. And what was somewhat frustrating, I think we mentioned it in our private chat, that the substitution of Ramsey, I mean, it, it, uh, as much as I always give Emery credit, it yeah. made no sense. That made no sense because he offered nothing going forward and offered nothing in the middle of the park. And when he had to help out of the back, he also did nothing. So, I don't know. What was your take on it? No, I, I think it was a silly substitution as well. I mean, uh, I would have even brought in another defender to try to just solidify the game even more. I mean, there was there was no need for that. I mean, his substitutes have always been, like you mentioned, <laughs> on point. So I, I think he let himself down there, and I think that ultimately also led to the to the final to, to all draw with all the the pressure that was coming on us and. I think um, I also don't think Ramsey's mind is there at the moment. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like maybe it's needed a bit more of a committed player on the pitch that, that actually knows that. Hey, in two, in two, um, or at the end of the season, starting next season, I still want to be at the club. The club going forward is is where I want to be. So I I, I don't know. I'm very too mind about Ramsey and that, like you said, the decision led to us. Um, giving away that second penalty and I mean yeah but like you know with regards to that decision making I mean you know as fr- frustrating frustrating as it was when you because look Zaha is known as a diver I'm not yeah. saying as an Arsenal fan or being now sore about it but I mean you watch him like, when he plays against any of the big teams also or you know if, if there's a leg to fall over he's going to do it and for me Jaka was so naive to actually stick his leg out and almost like give him that opportunity to, you know, fall forward. Because, you know, when they, when they showed the replays later, I mean, you could see he, he just almost like jumped over the leg yeah. type of thing. So that's why I said, uh, it's a rash decisions like it. It's almost like that, that when we played Leicester a few years back. Yeah. 
where where Nacho uh, put his leg out. And I mean, when Vardy was running at him, you you knew that what's gonna come. This was sticking the leg yeah. out like that. So yeah. I mean, uh, things like that. But, but okay, he got now outfoxed by because uh, look at Zaha. He's a clever player. I mean, he knows how to draw things, throw tackles out. And I mean, with Xhaka being new to that left back position, I think. That also exposed him somewhat, you know, that naivety of just putting a leg out in the box like that. I was going to mention, Jack actually had a wonderful game at left back. I mean, he never got, he never got um, outfoxed too much. I actually thought that he would have had... Wasn't it wasn't Townsend more on his side initially? In the yeah, start? they were switching at the end, the last bit, they were switching. I'm surprised um, Arjun never done that sooner because I'm sure Xhaka would have had more of a a troubling time with Zaha if they had to yeah. have you know, maybe most of the game up against him. But that, that <laughs> obviously he allowed the ref to have to make a decision. I know it was, it was a very, he tried to buy the penalty Zaha, but um, unfortunately you can't allow the ref to make a decision or think about a decision like that 82nd minute in a game. I mean, you need to make sure to not just stick your foot out because ultimately as an attacker, you're going to go look for that foul. And I think that kind of tarnished, I would say, Xhaka's full 90 minutes. And actually didn't maybe give a, a true account of his game because he had a, a wonderful game. And then that obviously, you know, dropped a rating, or which could have been an a, a 8 or a 9 to maybe a 6 or a 7. Because, mm. you know, I personally thought, I mean, I, I'm not just saying a team because it, it seems sometimes also a problem that rears itself. You know, with, with Bellerin sometimes, where he will just, you know, go in with a sort of tackle or, or a lunge and totally, you know, get screwed with a, either penalty or something like that. Instead of, you know, doing the old-fashioned way, the way kids are taught when you start playing football, you know, just jockey the guy out to the touchline or something like that. Don't let him get that cross in or don't let him even manage to cut inside. Just, you know, work him to the touchline or to the dead ball line. That's all. But, I mean... At the end of the day, I mean, as you, you remember when I mentioned to you after the game, for me, it actually felt like a loss, you know, after that, that uh, wins, all that wins in a row, the 11 wins in a row. But, you know, to, to come back to reality or being brought back to reality, you think, oh, yeah, the point actually felt like a loss. But, I mean, when you think of it again on bigger, on like, you know, a bigger stage, you think, okay, that's probably a good point because you don't know who can also come unstuck there. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, walk over bigger teams and that there, but you just never know who also comes unstuck. There's something when you least expected Palace can, you know, spring a surprise on you. Look, look, I, I felt the same way when, when the final whistle blew to row the tool draw, the the winning record ends now. But the way I also looked at it was that the the way Palace started and the way Palace <laughs> a, a few seasons ago, Arsenal would have lost this game quite easily actually. It wouldn't have even been a case of Ifs and buts, it would have been a case of Arsenal probably would have crumbled 2 3 nil down at half time, trying to claw their way back in the game. And it was a very scruffy game as well. It was, like you said, a game of chess in which yeah. Arsenal, I think, gave a good account to themselves. And if not for two individual errors, could have won the game. No, I, think, I, think, I think that, you know, as full time, I think that is what was the thing that infuriated me more. The fact that we, like, ground out our goals. Eh? And, I mean, when you look at this, it was almost like we gifted them that. Yeah. But, 
doing something as silly as that. But that aside, we went on then to the Carabao Cup versus Blackpool. Yeah, I unfortunately never got to see that game. I was trying to find links over all over the net, and it was just not to be found. So, can you maybe give me your thoughts on that game, or like you know how it panned out? Um, with regards to the game, not much to be, you know, to talk about really, because in my opinion, <clears throat> the ref kind of ruined the game because he already set a, a marker in the first half when he booked Gondosi quite early. And yeah. then, of course, look, you know, no, when you're going to come up against a League One side, look, that people don't know, won't play a type of football where, you know, it's pretty or it's tippy-tappy or whatever it's going to be, blood, guts and glory type of stuff. And look, Gwendozi was giving as good as he got. Let me put it like that. And we we took the lead from uh, Lichtsteiner Lich goal. I mean, it was a brilliant, brilliant, you know, lofted pass by Gwendozi. And it reminded me a bit of that one of the Ian Wright goals where the ball gets lofted into the box. The uh, goalie is already going to where the, the ball is going to land. And you get like uh, Lichtsteiner coming with a late run as fullback. And he just sticks out the left foot and he pokes it into the other corner, you know, making a total mugger to the keeper. Yeah. But took the lead there, went in at halftime. Second half, you could see someone like, you know, putting a, the, the foot on the neck of of Blackpool, sorry. And because you could see the pressure was now on the mound because now Arsenal were confident, knocking the ball around, letting Blackpool chase the game. Went to no up, again, a fine ball from the prodigal son. Carl Jenkinson crossing the ball. Who was playing? In a, he came in at left back. Yeah. Um, he crossed the ball over. I mean, the keeper just managed. It was almost like a cross come shot type of thing. Because you can see he was trying to cross with the left foot. He's not naturally left, so the ball wasn't like looping towards the far corner, and the keeper just clawed it back. But of course, clawed it straight to Emil Smith Rowe, who was on the uh, penalty spot, and he just half volleyed the ball into the net. I mean, a scruffy goal, but went. 2-0 up there, and then came the red card, the second yellow for Gwendozi on 57 yeah. minutes, where he got spun by the uh, Blackpool striker. Like, a, you know, it was just like, you know, a random you know, brush of the arm, like, you know, in the wrong direction. So, yeah. I, of course, fell. Ref saw it immediately, saw it as a, you know, of a tactical offense and gave him a, a second booking. So, of course, that took everything out of the equation now for, like, you know, the way the momentum was going. And then, of course, Blackpool, you know, started gaining in confidence, knowing they're now a man, uh, you know, extra now on us. And they equal, uh, not equal, they pulled the goal back on, I think, 60, yeah, 60 minutes. Uh, what was the guy? O'Connor, Pordy O'Connor, the centre-back of this. Yeah. He did the ball. And, I mean, of course, we started to look a bit vulnerable. Then, of course, Emery brings his ace. He brings on Obama, who, of course, yeah. starts stretching the game, which is, in a way, benefited us massively because it actually started spreading the game. Even with that nine infield players, it started opening the game up. And then, of course, that Pordy O'Connor went from hero to villain because as they were also somewhat gaining momentum and we were only having to attack them on counters, he yeah. comes in. Heavy, heavy on Aubameyang. Gets a straight red card. <clears throat> There's like a whole discussion over whether he comes or goes, you know, stays on or leaves. The ref then sends it to VAR. And I mean that VAR also then decides, yeah, it was a 
uh, violent tackle. So that guy got his straight marching orders. And then at, at <clears throat> nine versus nine infield players, you could actually see the, the game also start swinging now. You know, us looking more likely to get the 3-1. But, you know, at, 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 they were almost like, you know, all bodies in the box blocking us and whatever. And I mean, it's not like we then thought, okay, we'll just take it as is and we go through to the next round where we face Tottenham at the Emirates. Quick, quick question. Another question on the game. Um, you know, when we went 10 men down, how do we approach, you know, Arsenal under Wenger team lately would have, you know, gone still played the game everywhere, 11 versus 11, and sometimes sell themselves very short. But how would you say Emre, like, you know, manage the game at with 10 men on the field? We almost like, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, what's the word now? It's almost like we almost like, you know, rounded the, the, the carriages around the fort type of thing. Because then it's almost like we knew, look, our defense is going to be exposed and whatever now since we don't have that, that old, old in midfield. So, you know, you started tinkering around, started telling them not to get too adventurous. And you could actually see as a unit that the squad actually played a bit more compact, didn't allow anything go to go through the middle. So <clears throat> Blackpool were only allowed to you know, getting crosses and stuff like that. Any through balls were sniffed out by Torreira. And I mean, eventually, almost like that, it also wore them down because when they now saw, okay, look, we're knocking and knocking on the door but can't come in. They almost like started to, That's I think that, that's why, you know, before that red card even, there was also a patch where you could see they were fading because I'm like they, they also ran out of ideas like what exactly to do to get through. But I mean, like one thing that, that was somewhat worrying for me in the game, um, check returned from injury, and yeah, I mean, he looked very, very shaky. I mean, I thought he would, <coughs> excuse me, I thought he would come with that confidence into the squad now, you know, after his injury thing. But it's not like he got rattled with any um corner that was coming in, and then there was also a thing where it was like 2 1, I believe, where he got a back pass and he tried to do a, a Cruyff turn. And of course, he got himself in a muddle, and he ended up passing the ball straight to that that guy that used to play for Liverpool. I think it was a spearing, something like that. Oh, it's yeah, spearing, yeah. Yeah. So he ended up passing the ball straight against him, and of course, the ball ricocheted to the, to that Delfonso guy, yeah, who was playing up front for for uh, Blackpool. But of course, he was offside, so that was the only thing that, that saved him. Because I mean, it would have been that guy rolling the ball into him, and if we had. Uh, you know, anybody in defense trailing at the back, playing a guy on side. So it was, a, you know, a real heart-stopping moment then. Hi there. Uh, unfortunately, we had to cut off the first pod because of the internet connection problem that we uh, both had. But we are going to continue with a part two, which is the preview of the Liverpool game at the Emirates this afternoon. Very nervous for that game, actually. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, the way we have been starting, um, I don't know. I've been maybe listening to too many pundits or things like that. Because I think a lot of Arsenal fans are maybe getting a bit psyched up by listening to them. The fact that we're starting off quite slow and, you know, Liverpool could force us into making some mistakes. Yeah, because, I mean, at the moment, we have a, 
a very shoddy record versus Liverpool. I mean, I haven't beaten them in six. We played them six. That last six games have been three draws, three losses. So, and I mean, we're coming up against one of the meanest two defences in the Premier League at the moment because Liverpool only considered four. Yeah, and one of the worst you do at Allison mistake versus Leicester. So it's it's not going to be the easiest of games, right? Yeah, because look, Virgil van Dijk is becoming almost like a colossus for Liverpool at the back. Yeah. And I mean, if you take into consideration, they've got like a, a workhorse in midfield. If and if that Cater uh, or Henderson plays. And then, of course, you've got that front three that are probably one of the scariest front threes that you have in the Premier League. With... Doing well for at the moment, eh? Like, they did take him to the Champions League final as well. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot is expected of them. I mean, huge investment that Klopp has made in the squad, you know, building the squad up to what he wants. Because I think he's finally, you know, getting what he, he lacked previous seasons and even what he lacked the latter part of his Dortmund career. So, I'm like, he's now got his team molded to play his way, his brand of football. So, it's going to be, yeah, I'm in the Titanic battles or this afternoon. I just think our defence are going to be a way out. They set them up tactically to be a way to stop the danger of Salah, Mane and Firmino. And let's not also forget that Jadon Shakir is also actually doing his part, who maybe could even come with a cameo off the bench. And I mean, he's always given us issues. Mm. So, like you mentioned, we haven't beaten Liverpool in a long time. I think it was what, 2014-15 season, that 4-1 at, at the Emirates. Yeah. Am I yeah. That's not. That a long time. So, they've come to the Emirates, <clears throat> thrown, beaten us, so and thrown again. So, hopefully this time uh, we can get the, the three points. I mean, I <clears throat> the thing is, you can't also show Liverpool too much respect. I mean, Look, they're going to come out flying. But, you know, I think that is what, what causes them to overrun teams. There's like teams don't like, show them almost like too much respect. You don't show Liverpool respect, fine. But don't, you know, almost like play within yourself or because or, it's not like you're going to set yourself up for failure like that if you're going to think like that. Because as, as good Liverpool going forward, I think when you let people like, because I think that is also where they had the most positivity with their results. They keep on hitting you with wave upon wave upon wave of attacks. But I just think if the shoe's on the other foot and you have somebody like Salah being pressed back to do defensive work, if you have Firmino being pressed in the middle of the park to, to do scrappy work, or um, Tane, you know, what's it, Mane, <clears throat> if you have him having to track back, then now you can see then there will be a problem because it's going to be whoever's going to play in the wing for us is going to have to do a hell of a lot of work for us. And I mean, you, it's a sort of game where you just cannot risk having, you know, passengers on the on the squad because uh, I just think, no, no. I just think to myself, there's going to be times that um, Bellerin, if, if Bellerin plays, because I mean, that's also not a surety because <clears throat> he's still having niggle or he had like cough problems the other day. That's why he missed a few get match, like a match or so. It's going to be a situation where a lot of work, work is going to be asked of, of or questions are going to be asked for, of Bellerin. And if Colasinas plays, because I don't think uh, Emery is going to you know, take a risk going with a, somebody green to play at the left-back position. I think he would like to then 
that's in a way also the blessing disguise of of Quindosi then with that red card because you're probably gonna have now Xhaka and Torreira shoring up that that, that you know with a, a real donkey work takes place in the middle of the park. So I think that is where that's one battle also that we need to you know somehow win, and of course that defense somehow needs to I don't know because as you said that the, the the middle of that that two is still somewhat shaky because a lot of times the one, almost like the one of the two set the backs is actually bailing the other one more out than, you know, the two working as a real unit. Yeah. I, I would actually uh, maybe go with uh, holding in Socrates for this game. Yeah. I'm actually a bit, a bit worried about, you know, throwing Ken Kolasinic in the deep end and letting him like come into such a a massive game. Look, the thing is, he will probably because look, uh, <clears throat> he's somebody. Uh, they said, look, Emery is the type of coach. He gives the people, uh, the the players, also DVDs of of what he expects. Where he sees, you know, weaknesses or the strength. Look, Liverpool do come with uh, a lot of strength, like <clears throat> attacking wise, yeah. defensive wise. That is where you know when I was listening to Lehman the other day, and he said, look, Liverpool as solid as they are in the middle of the park and up front. You said they were never have, have they ever really been questioned this season at the back? Like I mean, really, you know, where they're getting wave upon wave upon wave of attacks going that way again. And that is where you said that is where Arsenal should try to, you know, uh, prove the doubters wrong and show, look, we can apply the pressure. We can, you know, play a solid game if need be, but we can also, you know, turn the heat up on you and see, you know, if we might not get through, say, two words of Van Dyke, but we might try the other centre-back, or we might try gunning on, on, on that Alexander kid, like, see if we, we can, you know, knock on that door there and see if we can get through on that flank. It's going to be a very big game for Arsenal. I mean, for Arsenal fans, Arsenal as a whole, I mean, if they can get the three points today, I think the fans will believe, not that we can obviously take the title, but there's going to be a massive belief around the ground, and the Arsenal players We'll have that sense of confidence and belief, and we can maybe who knows take that momentum and just keep on pushing for bigger teams do come to the Emirates. I mean, like personally, I I would tell you normally, look, you know, I didn't feel nervous at this or that fact of the game, but you know, going into <clears throat> going into today's game, I feel you know relaxed because look, I know all the pundits are have written us off. You can't also expect like you know that much if the you know the way the negativity is being spewed like from the media. Regarding us, so you know we're taking it in our stride. We, yes, we're going to go in as underdogs. I th- I'm sure if you go on the betting various no, betting sites, you'll no. see us also. You know, being the the underdog going into this game. So for me, we're playing almost like with a little less pressure. We can, of course, we've got the home advantage, but now it's almost like the the the, uh, the I wouldn't say pressure really, but now the onus is on Liverpool to show. Look, we can step up to be. Uh, title challenges, we we can now go away. And because, look, they have been going away into tough places and getting the results. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking of the <clears throat> the smaller teams. I mean, they've gone to some of the big teams and gotten the results there from either grinding a, a result out or totally destroying teams. So, throw caution to the wind, of course, but I'm just saying that they, they should be also tested. I, I don't think they really faced it, uh, a test over the 90 minutes. And for me, Liverpool will normally blitz you in that first half and then fade in the second. And we're a team that sits all nervous in the first half and then we normally almost like overpower you second half. So 
That is where we're going to see how Emery and Klopp sets up. Because I'm sure both teams have done now their homework on you know strengths and weaknesses of each other's game. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. I just hope that uh, we don't lose for for anything. Like I've, we I know we spoke about the touchdown, but the last week I think is look for either winning the title or top four, whatever <laughs> we're after. It's important not to just lose to your rivals because I mean if we can go on another what even a seven eight match winning run in the Premier League again. Mm-hmm. And then throw to a Spurs or something like that. You don't have to beat the big teams always, but just beat everybody around you because they are also going to take points off each other at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, today, as I said, now, you know, going in with a different mindset than I normally, because normally I, I would have had probably somewhat, you know, defeat this mindset, thinking, oh, you know, we've been setting up shockers. Normally, <clears throat> the reason I'm saying that defeatist attitude is like, um, if you think of, of like three or four years back now, especially now with almost like the decline of us from uh, you know a Champions League team to yeah. the Europa League type of team, it's like we knew by the like sometimes first half a game would be over for us when we're playing a Chelsea or a Man United, yeah. Spurs, or whatever, or Liverpool. Then you know, ah, uh, you know, that's it. End of the game is like already first half. But now it's like, you know, we've got a new manager. There's a new sort of self-belief. There's also like a type of fight, a never-say-die fight in the in the, uh, the players as well. Because, I mean, even if they go a goal down, you don't see the heads really going down. They, there's, uh, Of course, it, it backfired a bit on us versus uh, Crystal Palace. But I mean, yeah. now, it, it was almost like, you know, the heads were up. It was like, we are going to show that we're going to boss you and stuff like that. And that, I just hope we somehow take, you know, be... Uh, you know, play with confidence, but also play, you know, with your head. Be clever. Don't just do stupid things. Because look, especially when two big teams play each other, they're going to pick up on any error, you know, any little error that each other makes. They're going to And that is where I I, I just don't want us to, um, you know, set ourselves up for failure type of thing for today's game. But as I said, I'm going in with confidence. I'm going with a, a clear head in that. And I just hope, we get a positive result. I mean, win, lose, draw. I just hope that, that you know they still go out with whichever way with a fight. That's all. That's all I can ask. I just don't want the, you know, those white flag type of defeats yeah. and stuff like that. I don't want that. Or oh, 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 uh, Arsenal do go one all down into break. That Emre gives the same team talk he gave to the severe players in the 2016 Europa League final. Yeah, because I mean that was also a. Tactical master stroke of him, but I mean that was actually the only time him and Klopp have ever played um, managed against each other. Yeah. So I mean, for me, as I said, today is going to be good battle of wits between the two, two good, uh, two very very good coaches. And, so, and, and any final predictions? Two two draw. To be honest. And yeah, I uh, actually heading to the two two draw as well. Thinking about all the. The draws we've had in this past fixtures, um, I think I'm also going with the 2 2 draw. Okay, so I hope all you Gooners have a good, hopefully, get positive result for today. And I hope you guys enjoy the game. Take care, enjoy the weekend. Bye. Bye. Good morning, Gooners, to another installment of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co host, as always, Aiden. Good morning, guys. 
unfortunately, we never got wins, but we still continued our unbeaten streak. For me, what was a very good positive for Saturday was Arsenal this season was supposed to be a work in progress, playing up against the title challengers, Liverpool. And we rose to the occasion and actually matched Liverpool strength for strength, organised against Liverpool and we got a point. So I'm happy with that. And it just shows that Unai Emre isn't just hanging around waiting for things to be sorted out. He's sorting it out immediately. Yeah, because, I mean, my uh, take on the game was, I mean, like, first 10 minutes was a very cagey affair where the likes of Musti and Holding, you know, had to stand firm because we knew there was going to be some sort of uh, onslaught at the beginning. Uh, but as the game grew on, <clears throat> you could see in midfield, the confidence grew as well with the likes of Torreira and Xhaka. And, uh, of course, there were, like, you know, those little chances that you were getting when, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Aubameyang was getting through on uh, that Trent Alexander-Arnold on that flank, <clears throat> narrowly missing, I think, a couple of chances there at one point. Then, as the game wore on, um, Liverpool hit, which was, of course, a rolled offside. But, I mean, many pundits disagree. Yeah. Now, uh, but I'm I'm one of the few that actually agree with the linesman. Bother, I mean, you know, biasness that people will probably say. But I mean, my take is just, <clears throat> I mean, having played football as well, and and the way the rules have also evolved, you know, down the years and stuff like that. I can, I, I honestly get the fact that that uh, you know, if you're gonna stand dead in your tracks, game the game is supposed to flow. Yeah. But for me, when you watch, I mean, you don't don't just take my word for it. Like, if you get a chance to watch the, the highlights, even or just the goal, oh, that 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 con- contentious goal. Um, when when Trent crosses that ball into the Arsenal box, <clears throat> you see Firmino run, Firmino running from an onside position. He's gonna go for the ball. But for me, the minute I mean, I don't know how other people have learned the game also. But for me, the minute um, Mane is you know, darting full speed at that ball. Uh, look, he might not have won because I think Firmino won the race there with, with that, between the two of them. But for me, the minute he's darting towards that ball, he's already <clears throat> putting off Leno because, I mean, Leno's already coming out thinking, okay, I've got now two against one. I'm going to have to do something because Mustafi already played the offside line to get uh, Mane offside. And yeah. my take was just, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I saw a lot of people are saying, yeah, that should have stood soon. But then for me, uh, for me, it should have only stood if Mane had stood his ground. But for me, he's he yeah. done for that same ball. I mean, like I said, you don't you don't have to just take my word for it. Just watch that goal again and use your own judgment because he is running full speed. Because if he had not slacked off or something like that, then fine. But I mean, he was actually willing to go for the ball. And I think Firmino probably just gave him a shot. Look, I can get to it first. But I mean, the two of them were there already. So yeah. I mean, that was not my take on it. I don't know how your opinion was of that. Contentious goal. Look, he was technically interfering with play, and that's the rule. The letter of the law states if you are interfering with play, um, it should be deemed offside. But at at the point when I saw it, obviously, maybe I should go back and reanalyze it. At the time, my heart sunk because I I, I thought maybe that, that goal would be given, actually. Like, watching yeah, it. Because, look, I, I get it when you... Because, look, it was... Uh, <clears throat> 
<coughs> it happened also so fast, but look at the minute uh, Firmino hits a post and it comes back, uh, rebounds straight to Mane. There, I mean, there's no problem there, but for me, it's just my problem is that minute that Arnold crosses the ball and he, uh, he makes himself active going towards the ball. For me, that was then offside. Because you could see that it's almost like in, I don't know if it was in the World Cup or the European Championships where uh, FIFA told the officials, look, don't just make, just don't put your flag up. You take it, uh, like, almost like two or three seconds, let it run through your head, then you put your flag up. And I think that was where that little delay came in. It, you know, it also caused confusion. Because I think that Lionsman was also playing that whole thing, you know, in his head, like, you know, could this have gone this way? And I think that is how, how I see it, and that's just probably how that Lionsman saw it as well, the way he gave the call. Oh, that, that's definitely... Uh... Uh, I get that. If you if you if you, if you maybe you went far, rewind it went back the before the whole end of the post thing, I think then if you look at it, Mane did actually interfere with with the with the play and it and it kind of messed up um, the judgment of Leno as well. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and then later on in the game, Leno pulled off also a great save from Van Dyke. I mean, but I think I mean if that chance had fallen to I think a forward or any attacking sort of player, I think they would have probably buried it. But I think Van Dijk was just surprised that Leno was closing in on him so quick. So he just smashed the ball into the keeper. I, I think um, chance as well. Yeah. I think Leno maybe done a bit better when he headed it over Ellis and then it just went over wide from the poles. Yeah, I mean, that's like the one point that I also wanted to bring up where <clears throat> both keepers also had you know, iffy moments in that first half, yeah, that we you mentioned now where Mkhitaryan added header. I mean, I think if he had been a bit stronger, because I think he almost like allowed himself to be out-muscled by Ellison there for that, where Ellison missed the ball completely. And then, of course, on the stroke of halftime, Leno ends up doing the same, ends up wiping out Van Dijk, but not before the Dutchman gets a header at goal and it smacks the, the post. I mean, we almost like rode our luck going into halftime because I just thought to myself, please, not again. Because I notice sometimes these moments we are also, I mean, it's almost like those little lapses we have where either that, that stroke of halftime we end up, you know, shipping a goal. In. Are you there, Aiden? That's, 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 sorry, I uh, think it might have been a connection cut out or something like that. Um, yeah. what, what I wanted to mention about is our Arsenal, I know you noticed, when we defended, we almost defended like in a 4-4-2, and when we attacked, it was almost like a 2-4-3-1. And I think Granit Xhaka and Lucas Terreira was very influential and important in that in that part, aspect of our game. I mean, you know, sometimes when I watch us play, it reminds me a bit of... Um, when somebody were, like was describing, you know, when Conte was in his prime at Chelsea, yeah, where they said like you would always see Chelsea will have either five at the back or five in attack because they'd always switch the play like that. So they always they're never going to be outnumbered at the back. They're never going to be outnumbered in front. Yeah. So I'm mean, I'm not saying it's directly like that that type of play, but I'm just saying that is how the it's set up. Because sometimes you like we mentioned I think previous podcasts where. You'll sometimes see Torreira even shifting into that back four to make a, like a back five to yeah. shield, you know, whatever. And then, like, with uh, back to the game again, uh, Liverpool took the lead on, on 61 minutes. 
Uh, also, again, like a slight lapse on the right-hand flank pass yeah. with Mane getting a cross in. <clears throat> Leno failed to grasp onto the ball and it felt kindly to Molner to smash the ball home. So, of course, I mean, the uh, Emery effect was immediate because immediately, I think sometime after the a few minutes after the goal, Mkhitaryan was, you know, very iffy again. Came off. Iwobi came on for him. Aubameyang came on. I'm sorry, came off for Ramsey. And Welbeck came on for Kolasinac as we now, you know, we went out on the push, trying to get at least a draw or something out of the game. Um, Arsenal in that time then cranking up the pressure. Deft work by Iwobi. Yes, wow. Let's in uh, Z. And I mean, the, the French striker perfectly rounds Allison like from an acute angle and curls the ball home to equalize, which I mean, sent the Emirates ballistic. Because look, what I also liked was throughout the game, again, when we went the goal down, the crowd and the, the players, the heads didn't drop. They just kept on, kept on, kept on. And, and Danny Welbeck actually was very keen and called away. He just took the other defender away. I don't think a lot of people maybe took notes of that, but he actually kept the other defender kind of busy by pulling him away from Lacazette in order to get Lacazette to get on through and then, you know, finish off like he did. Um, like, with regard also to that game, um, as much as we press for winner, I mean, you could actually see that, especially the last five minutes, both teams were running on empty. So, a solid draw was, you know, actually more po- positive to us because, I mean, if you think of in the build-up, how people, you know, criticised us, said we were going to be on the way to our, like, you know, a type of hiding. But, I mean, we stood firm. We, you know, played with our hearts and our sleeves and, I mean, it came out positive. I, I, I don't know if we, we forgot to actually mention credit to Xhaka the way he chased down um, Salah at the end of the, end of the first half with that tackle he did on... Yeah. on, on uh, like it was inch perfect in the in the box. I mean, like uh, if you like, just if as we now wrapping up this game, um, uh, you know the likes of Torreira and him, they were you know really vital to us. You know, just holding on because look, there were times that we were gonna get caught. I mean, we actually stifled a lot of the play in midfield because I mean Torreira gave Fabino yes. zero opportunity because every time they got. The guy looked up, Torreira was on his ankles, in front of him, behind him, side. So, I mean, that guy was almost like pressed for space. And look, Milner, as much as he is a grafter, he's not going to be that, you know, the creative link to get you out of it. So, it's almost like it was not down to the likes of Fabino and, and, and some one of the others in midfield to, you know, somehow make things happen. But you could see we stifled everything. And as the game also progressed, I think also by the second half, that front three that was so lethal of Liverpool were almost like left to, you know, just chase shadows or chase aimless balls being hoofed for. Because, I mean, for me, one of the the, 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 the Liverpool players that was actually for me stand out was that Andy Robertson. He was at least trying to, you know, get the ball into the other half because he knew, look, there's waivers coming upon him. And, and it's almost like everybody is doing their own thing. And, and it's like he was almost like a man alone trying to get this, you know, get Liverpool at least over into our off. So, I mean, he was actually a key, and I mean, he's just, I mean, I, I never took much note of him before. I mean, I'm like uh, watching him now closer this season, 
And I mean, he is actually a key key figure to them. Yeah, definitely. And and for me, what we saw in this game was how important it is how Emre moved away from you know the cultured ball playing holding midfielder from Mikhail Arteta under the Wenger days to now two ball winning midfielders who are prepared to dig in and giving that centre backs that protection. It was worked wonderful actually in a, such a high intensity game in which Arsenal probably would have come short a few seasons back. And I don't know if you noticed also that latter part of that second half. At at one point you can see Liverpool almost like did not have any more like, energy to do that pressing game. Yeah. And that allowed people like like Torreira that we did that little solo run through. Ah, and yeah that shot uh, yeah. just saved by Ellison. We can definitely be proud of the performance and I think um, we can only get stronger from here. I mean, Liverpool did beat Spurs away from home. They also threw to the likes of Chelsea and they threw to City at, obviously at Anfield. But, I mean, I think we're up there with the best in England at the moment compared to being the also rand from a few seasons back. What yeah, fully agree. Competitive now. Um, then we went on to the midweek game against Sporting Lisbon in the Europa League. Um, nine changes made in the top of the table clash in uh, in our group. Uh, yeah. Lisbon coach uh, Jose Pacero was actually sacked before, like a week before. That was the guy that was still managing when we beat him there in Portugal. He was sacked. And a new manager stepped up, Thiago Fernandes. And you can see he seemingly did his homework because yeah, the way, the way uh, Lisbon had set up it was very, you know, almost like defensive-minded with, with that, op- uh, like that option of counter-attacking if need be. And I mean, you could say, well, wait, you know, they were almost like trying to suck us into that false sense of security and then bang, hit us, hit us on the break every time. But that said, <clears throat> game was marred by that Welbeck injury midway in the first half. Um, you know, with Danny attacking the ball and at the same time getting a heavy coming off like a heavy tackle. And I mean, one could immediately see his distress the minute he went down and he's like, you know, I had a look at his ankle because then you could actually see the panic and shock overcoming. Yeah. And then, I mean, for me, thankfully, you had players like uh, of Sporting and even Arsenal getting around him and, you know, like, I'm, like trying to comfort him, calm him down because, look, it can be hectic for any player because, I yeah. mean, you can hyperventilate and even pass out from, you know, moments like that. But you could see that uh, even Nani had like almost like a calming effect on him, like, you know, talking to him the whole time while the <laughs> medical staff were treating him. But, uh, as we now, I think I found out early on, they said he's like a broken ankle, like a you know very bad one, and that I mean that he could possibly be also the final match we could have seen of Welbeck because yeah, the, the comeback I think that the, the recovery period is some, somewhere between six and eight months or even nine, depending on the severity of the injury, and I mean since he's con- he's in the final year of his contract, the last half of his contract. You know, it's going to be, you know, it's a, in a way a bitter pull, but I mean, you can see Arsenal in just, you know, allowing him to go out on the free, probably giving him that medical attention that he needs. But I mean, I honestly don't think he will be getting any extension or something. Because he was, look, he was actually doing well with rolling the Europa League. And he was actually, you know, being that sub that could come on. He, he was a good player to, to actually have, but I think. Uh, we're going to have to now gonna dig in the market in January because we're going to need that striker that we can use as well in the Europa League, Carabao Cup and FA Cup games as well. Yeah. 
Uh, but you know, like with regards to the game now, I think also you know what happened, that incident that happened, and I think it also it led to you know uh, it put a dampener on things because the fluidity and the, that that Arsenal spark was gone after that. I mean, it was almost like every like either I think it, it affected even Sporting because it's almost like both teams just went in through that the motions of a game, you know. So, <clears throat> of course, we were wasteful with some opportunities, like especially Aubameyang was, you know, really guilty because there were times that, you know, all the one that's actually much criticized, Mkhitaryan, was almost like laying it on a plate for him at times, and he kept on fluffing his chances. I, I must admit, though, Mkhitaryan had a, it was one of his better games. He was like, he seemed a bit sharper and a bit faster than previous games I, I saw him in. I mean, more and more bad news was to follow because uh, Lichsteiner then pulled up with a hamstring strain. But thankfully, I mean, I actually found out, I think, this morning, they say it's just a strain. It's not a, a bad pull and it's not a tear. So I think he probably needs like 7 to 14 days just to, you know, rest that leg out. And then he will probably be back. Because, I mean, he has also been kind of consistent for us when he has come, you know, come on. And he's also a, a morale booster of... Uh, of the field as well, and you see how he, you know, urges the team on and and you know gets things rallying on the bench even. But uh, one 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 big up to Rob holding at the moment is actually been a mainstay in our defense. It's amazing, and I mean, if you think, I, I remember I still told you I think end of last season where I said I think it's maybe time for holding and Chambers to yeah move on because I honestly I did not see <coughs> excuse me. You know, any real future for them, you know, like the way they were now also being managed by, by Wenger, not, you know, not not that I'm like writing them all completely, but it's like, you just never saw them getting it like a fair crack, you know, at at that, at, at, at playing, you know, regularly. And now, I mean, you look at him now under Emery, it's like, it's a, you're looking at a total different player. Like, he has a confidence, he reads, you know, the reading of the yeah. game is fast, and I think that is also down to the, the coaching and stuff like that, but he, I mean, who would have thought? I mean, one minute, uh, like if you think season before, barely getting a game, only these forced injuries or, uh, you know, like a minor game, he gets game time. Now he's like a main, like, as you said, a mainstay in the team. Now he's like, you know, almost like the first name on the team sheet. But what you mentioned was key, I think it was either last week or the week before, where everybody feels like they're almost part of a family now at Arsenal, where they don't just come in when somebody's injured or. When someone is like you know away or something like that, that they they play now, week in week out or every week they alternate. So there's that that rotation that's happening, but the players aren't feeling that they're missing out on anything as well because they'll come on as a sub mm. or they'll play a full game the next game. At the, every it's just like a one big family now at the moment fighting for one common goal. You know, I watched even some of the training session of I think yesterday. Uh, leading like for the the Wolves game, and you could actually um, look. They were trying out now different, um, you know, that one touch plays and 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 that one two, or that even a triangle uh, plays also. And you can actually see this is probably going to be our game plan now for for tomorrow's game against Wolves because that it was like you know the, the tempo that they were playing and passing it, even like the likes of Maitland Niles and 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 um, Jaka and them and Ozil, it looked. You know, that, that zippy type of football. And I think that is probably going to be the key now for us, our, our old game for tomorrow. 
just back to that sporting game, um, that latter part of the game also led to a red card for sporting yeah. with Jeremy Mathieu hauling down uh, Aubameyang with about two minutes to go, uh, getting a straight red for professional foul. But of course, I mean, we fluffed it as well. Yeah. But, you know, the point enough for us to secure our place in the knockout stage after Karabakh uh, won in Vorskla. Yeah. So, I mean, that sets us up now. So, I think he will, you know, I'm not saying he's going to really take his foot off the gas, but he's probably going to, you know, try his utmost now to, to you know, let, let other players now get in there. So. That would be real, that's true, that's players. And I wonder actually how Ainsley Maitland-Niles is going to fit in, because I'm actually excited to see him back in the team. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think there's a lot of potential there. And with Torreira there, I think, like I know we've been using him out wide, but I think he's a good central midfielder, or he can learn, and he can learn a lot actually from the likes of Torreira. But you know, Aiden, um, I was actually chatting to some people on Twitter the other day with regards to, you know, where we should strengthen, and like whether it's January or summer. And I just think, you know, we should, like for me, what should actually be a kind of priority now is, you know, bring in maybe a few left backs, whether it's like maybe a youngster and somebody that, that can now. Be a, I'm not saying too established because I just don't think Nacho is now because I was watching even that that the training session before the sporting game. Yeah, you the players were about to do stretches and that, and then I think he did a few stretches and then he just shook his head and he walked off because then yeah. that was where they said like that's why he didn't make the cut for the the sporting game because he would have he was supposed to be penned in for that game. So as I said, I think that is where we need to start. You know, thinking of bringing you know maybe. Up and coming left back and maybe a, a guy that's about to eat his prime, maybe something like that. For me, I, I don't actually. I think left back's the one position I'm, I'm not too clued up on actually at the moment, and it's quite funny because I used to play left back at one of my positions as a footballer, and now I can't even think of somebody that we could actually slot in at the, the left back position. Because I mean, for me, it's actually stinting our our, our, our or halting our progression. When we're playing now, because yeah. all that right-footed players always are going to have to check back to get that ball. Because not all the 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 um, crosses are going to be natural. Like where you see Kolasinac when he puts zip and whip on that ball, you know that ball is going to come anywhere by the six-yard box or the penalty spot. But you can see with with when it's Jenkinson or Lichtsteiner, they're always going to have to come back on the right foot to get a sort of angle in on the ball. And Montreal just coming into his own, actually. Like, you know, the past few seasons, he's been one of our best players. Season in season. Yeah, but I think it's like with us also getting so involved in the player and that seeing, you know, his progression. But you also, one is also like kind of forgetting his age. And I think that is also now catching up to him now. You know, that with the injuries all of a sudden, you know, get stretched out longer than, it, you know, where it would have been like a short-term thing before with yeah. the recovery period. Uh, but I think going on to tomorrow's game, I feel it's going to be a very tough game. Wolves haven't been no pushovers this season. They've they've troubled a lot of teams. I mean, at home, I know we're playing at the Emirates, but at home they got the one all draw to City. And even they gave Spurs a relatively a tough time. But that's all games that they played at home. But uh, I think that we, we should get the three points, but it's not going to be a walk in the park. No, I mean, look, I'm glad. I'm not saying we must... You know, we're just going to walk in there and think, okay, we're going to steamroll it. Because, look, I just don't want that same sort of attitude that caught us out against uh, Crystal Palace. Because I think that is where we also got our backsides kicked to us. Because we were 
it was a game that we could have cruised if we needed to, but you know, almost like silly mistakes, you know, ended up costing us. So I just hope now they in a more focused sense of mind, you know, almost like do it for Danny type of thing. Yeah. You know, because and then you get the points first because Look, Wolves come to this game now tomorrow with three straight losses after yeah. winning their first six. Yeah. And I mean, that, that Matt Doherty has been almost like the Mr. Rel- reliable in defense, like almost like a constant performer, whether they win, lose, or draw. Um, but I mean, they also do have some serious talent in their squad because um, the likes of, I think that Nuno Santo, their coach, has brought in some, you know, solid talent or even experienced talent because he's brought in, let me just have a look, he's brought in Johnny from. Atletico Madrid on loan. He's brought in Roy Patricio from Sporting. He's brought on this one of this. I mean, this is actually my FIFA go-to guy, uh, Leander Diondonka from Antelech. He's probably one yeah. of the... I think he's rated very, very high. And then they got Adama Traore from Middlesbrough. They bought, uh, brought in um, Raul Jimenez from Benfica on loan. And then also Jao Martino, because, I mean, he is... Always dangerous. I mean, you might not have the speed, but that mind of his, the way if you watch him in the Euros or the World Cup, and that he's still got that brain on him, you know, that, that playmaker brain. Another guy, I think, you know, I think he's quite good in the middle, the Ruben Neves or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, yeah. In shot, and so we need to make sure he doesn't, we don't allow him that room for that shot to take place. And now for some, you know, news and side notes. Um, I don't know if you listen to that, you know, the commentary we had on us and loud. You can actually hear the frustration growing from the Arsenal fans regarding Ramsey. Because yes, yes, yes. at times you could see he was trying to do so many things on his own, almost like thinking, I don't care what's happening around me. I'm going to just do my own thing. And, and you could see that little, <coughs> that little flicks and tricks. As, my, as good as he can, it comes off sometimes, he was doing it almost like at the wrong time. I mean, you're in a game where it's null dull and you do, you're almost like showboating with the ball. And I mean, you could see Emery was getting highly annoyed, especially the one when he ran to the box, could have crossed to Aubameyang and I think, I don't know if it was Iwobi in the box. And he tried to do this little chip around, you know, and then he almost like he just ended up being run out of the, of the pitch. And I was actually going to mention about the Ramsey's because all these games that we've been doing over the past few weeks, and even now on Thursday night, um, we haven't even mentioned a performance of Ramsey that we can say, oh no, like, you know, Ramsey this, Ramsey that. And I think it's come to a point now where maybe we should cash in on Ramsey because he doesn't better our team when he really is there. Like, we don't miss him when he's not there as well. Because, I mean, my like, opinion on the guy is, I mean, I love the guy. And, I mean, you remember the previous podcast, I was saying, like, you know, I really want us to keep him. And, but it's gotten to a stage now. It's like he's not really, like, as you said, helping the team. He's not, like, showboating himself now to like to put himself in the transfer window type of thing, you know, to to uh, attract suitors now, you know, to go for him in either January or offer him something big in, in, in the like, end of the season. So, I mean, for me, then it, it's not going to benefit either party if it's going to go on like this. Then we might as well. Cashing in January, then. I agree, and then we can get maybe a, a wide sort of winger type guy who likes to get chalk on his boots for instead of of having Ramsey in the team. Then you know, with regards to the Welbeck injury, there's now also something I'm going to bring up now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, uh, there's not talk of us bringing a, like either we look for a striker, like established striker, or a winger and. One of the names that has come up now is uh, Lil uh, 
uh, a little uh, winger called Nicolas Pepe. Yeah. He's, I think, valued at about 45 million, I think, pounds. And I mean, he's like a Ivorian um, international. And I mean, he's actually now wanted by the likes of, of I think, Barcelona. Uh, PSG is also having a look at him. So, but I heard like he is being now looked at by even that Sven Muslim type. So, the thing is, even if he plays as a winger, if we should, like you know, if we should go for something like this, I do still think we need a you know a forward because look with all these games coming up, look we still in all touch wood all the competition. So, you know, do we really want to put all that pressure on Eddie Nketiah and Nketiah and and and? And I, I, I seriously doubt that, that Hoffenheim really wants to let go of, of Reese Nelson now either because he's now eating a purple patch in, in Germany. So I don't think they want to now, you know, just cut ties now. Even though I think Reese Nelson said he's willing to, you know, answer the call if needed, if Emery now needs him. That could be as committed players to the cause, actually. Mm. But what do you have any strikers that you have in mind that you think, you know, would... It was no, like BS, no. like a stopgap. I'm not saying, look, I, I doubt you're going to get our, you know, a mega, mega signing for now. But I, I don't know if a person must now think of, like, short term of bringing it forward. To, you I know, just top of the head now at the moment. And it may be a bit difficult because he had been very injury prone. But uh, Callum Wilson from Bournemouth, I wouldn't actually mind. You know, just stopgap. Not somebody saying. Yeah, but I, heard, I don't know if you have heard that thing which I think Chelsea are actually trying to wrap up that deal already. Ah, so that that would have been actually my option, but it seems now it's gonna it's gonna be too late. But I think we need a pacey guy, just someone who can stretch the defense as well. Because mm. I mean, I just like you know, I've I've Eddie Nketiah. I mean, at the Norwich game, fine, he's he got the two goals last season in that in the Carabao Cup. But I just think like I mean, I've seen him now in games also where he's supposed to lead the front line on his own, and you can see he does not. Have you know that in him yet? I think he needs you know people around him to you know boost his confidence. But I just think we need somebody, whether it's maybe a, also a youngster, but a youngster that can actually take the game to the opponent. And I don't oh. think Eddie is up to that yet. Uh, I, I know exactly what you mean, but uh, I think a striker is always a very tricky prospect to get in the January transfer window. I think we got lucky with the likes of a Bobby Young. With him wanting to leave and him being a rough with Dortmund. Would mm. like, take it of Giroud coming back? I'd take him any day. Because <laughs> for me, you know, I watch him every time for Chelsea. I'm thinking, you should be still wearing an Arsenal kit. Because I don't know, as much as I, I look at him in, for Chelsea, for me, he's still not like, a, for me, it's like you're watching Giroud on loan at Chelsea, something yeah, like that. I feel the same way. And I thought, <laughs> Maybe with Morata there and with Wilson coming there, maybe, you know, we can, you know, sneak a deal in there to get him back. <laughs> Wheel and deal. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up now. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the show. We'll be back next week again as usual. And I hope you guys enjoy the game tomorrow. Hopefully it's three points for us. Yeah, and before I go, or we go, prediction for tomorrow? I'll go 3-1 Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0. Okay. Enjoy your weekend, Aiden, and fellow Gooners, enjoy your weekend as well. Bye. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. 
Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.